You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, as always, Jordan Lewis. And joining me in the studio, I have three folks in here with me today. I have Frank Bergs from Wayne Coogan and Mac Miners from First Things First Alaska Foundation. Gentlemen, how are you all doing today? Wonderful. Fantastic. Hello, Juno. Thank you. Oh, Wayne, that was a very tepid response compared to them. <laughs> it was very quiet. That's something wrong with that, though. He's warming up. That's true. That I'm a tepid true. guy. Thank you. Wow. I've asked you all to come in here today to talk with me about what it seems to be the ever-present issue within Juno, which is affordable housing. I don't think it goes... I think it kind of goes without saying for a lot of folks that affordable housing has been a long-standing problem and it raises the question of what are we supposed to do about it? And so I think, Frank, I'll let you start. Well, good... Great to talk about extremely important issue, probably the most important issue other than the food that we eat. We have to have a place to be sheltered. And we say affordable housing, maybe that's not even the way to f- coin the, the problem. The, the problem is housing. And there's going to be a spectrum of housing from less expensive to more expensive as there are people with lesser incomes and higher incomes or gross wealth. So we need to be able to satisfy every level of housing for every level of income of our population. Now, it is obviously easier to satisfy the upper end of that when money flows free than it is the lower end where things like labor and materials and transportation and energy really have limits on what we can do. So we got to come with creative solutions for how to make less expensive housing. Affordable? Yeah, everybody needs affordable housing from top to bottom. But let's, let's move that discussion down to how do we make less expensive housing more available? Gotcha. Then Mac, do you want to add on to that? No, Frank, hit, hit it right on the money. All right. And then how about you, Wayne? Well, maybe we could maybe we could add it and, and, and rephrase it just a little bit to help. And that is uh, what Frank is pointing out is that the problem exists on the, on the uh, lower the lower price scale. And, and it, if you think about it, it's easy to go out and produce something at a higher price because everything costs so much. The costs are so high that that a builder doesn't have to be as creative and go through as much gymnastics to go at a lower price scale. So the the average price uh, for a house sold in June of 2023 so far is like is five hundred thirty four thousand dollars. So um, and, and you don't see anything being sold on the lower end for one hundred fifty thousand dollars per se. And the reason is is because of the difficulty. And what we have to do is try and help overcome that difficulty. Okay, and I think it's a good that you both mentioned you know, that lower economic scaling there you know the lower the lower incomes level not just you know affordable housing across the board because obviously everybody needs housing you talk about i think it was if i remember correctly maskin's hierarchy of needs you need food and shelter before you can really focus on doing anything else and speaking from as someone of my age you know when we hear you know prices like that you know like like that five hundred thousand, you know that is like pie in the sky for a lot of folks my age because it's been such a long-running issue i think i mean you look at it nationally not even just in the juno focus that there's no real housing options that are within the range for for younger generations like myself it just doesn't seem to be there yes that's very true and so we need to really define the problem and and say what is the problem why are housing why is housing uh, more expensive than we would want it to be for a large portion of the population and we really have we really identified the problem uh, well enough no because we haven't come up with a good solution well hey here's a solution here here's a thought anyway is that 
our cost of labor in Alaska, our cost of energy, our transportation, materials, basically we're, we're dependent on the Seattle market. It, it kind of limits how inexpensively we can build housing. So what are some ways that we could do that? Well, manufactured housing could be built down south and brought in here. It is done all the time and put that on rented ground. Uh, we used to call those trailer courts. We don't anymore because it's a completely different phenomenon. These are beautiful homes. These are comfortable homes. These are long lasting homes. But what we don't have is uh, what many have said is adequate financing for this type of housing. So there's a couple of institutions now that are starting to make some uh, money available for that. But the manufactured home on rented property it's a higher density housing situation and we can get the cost down significantly with that model we just need the financing so there is uh, identification of a problem how do we get financing for this particular type uh, of uh, of housing and make that more available and readily accessible to home buyers well i can point out several things that makes it so expensive and one thing is you got to go to work and you got to save your money. And if you don't, and you got to have a place to start so that you can work up to the 575. So if there's entry level at say 250, even if you have to pay rent on your space, at least you have a chance to save your money. And that's been a tried and true way that people have stepped up to the house in Alaska. And all you have to do is just go around the state, see what happens, talk to your old friends, and many of them, even myself, I've uh, lived in the trailer court. Not a big deal. And uh, just a stepping stone. So so this is Wayne following Mac. And uh, if you think about these issues, it, like Frank says, if you, have, if you have a fluid financial system that's able to finance these, these types of homes, that will incentivize developers to build, say, another mobile home park. Otherwise the risk associated with building a park is untenable because they, they have to be able to sell the homes. So, so you know, when you, uh, th- that, that, that indicates the multivaried problem here, right, of the, of the entire market. There's so many variables in the market to, to manage that, uh, you know, and we see the city trying to undertake that, and it's a daunting process. I, and I think we all agree that probably the best thing for them to do is to figure out a way to foster and support and enable the private mar- sector, the private market, the free, the free market to address the problems rather than trying to uh, dabble in it themselves. That's always a very difficult thing for government to do. Okay. And then, I mean, to build off of that statement, did, would you be able to give me an example of like maybe an idea that you might have for how that could be done? Well, um, obviously, uh, it, it looks like from, if I was the city, I would, I would on a regular basis be consulting with the private sector, the private industry, housing industry, because it used to be a robust industry in general. The Valley was all built in a, in a very short number of years, in a period of 20 years, all, of them house, all those houses out there were built in a short order. And uh, they, the government did what it had to do to, uh, to facilitate that by building Egan Drive, et cetera, for access for the state workers, et cetera. And, and uh, you know, a lot of houses, beachfront houses were, were um, devalued because of the highway going in front of them. But, but the government said, we're going to solve this housing problem. And they did it. And, and they didn't do it by building houses. They did it by facilitating the industry. And if the, the, I think the borough right now is probably the biggest regulator of housing in Juneau, clearly. 
And they, I, would, I would hope that they would look at it from the same perspective. They would look at what they could do to promote the industry and make things happen. Okay. And then hearing that would make me wonder, and I hope I don't lose my train of thought here, because we're talking about, you know, we want, you know, private industry to do that. But that also comes with the caveat of you, we would need to in, have something to encourage that private industry to do that. And so that raises the question of, well, what are we doing to try and incentivize them to want to try and tackle that problem? Like anything in the private market, if there's an ability to make money, people will come and take that opportunity. So that's what we need is the opportunity to make some money. Profit is a good thing. Understand that. It gets things done. In the private industry, our overhead is maybe, what, uh, 10% outside? Yeah, 10%. Wayne, something like that. When uh, the government does things, it's 35 to 50%. That's how you get the, the cost down is the private industry is there. It naturally goes to the cheapest thing it can possibly do because of competition. If you don't do it cheaper than your brother or your neighbor down here, the other guy, you know, you're going to lose business. So that uh, that's what we need to incentivize in order to reduce the cost of construction okay but then also hearing that it reminds you of the idea of you know if you can make it for cheaper do it for cheaper but then get more cost out of it then that almost could lean into the problem of when we see that you know a lot of that housing is made that ends up appealing more for that higher economic bracket well, the, the higher economic bracket can uh, put in marble staircases and uh, all, all kinds of fancy things that they want, uh, but you, do you need that? And not really. It's just a matter of the market. If somebody comes into town and says, I have half a million dollars and I'd love to build a house, someone's going to stand up and say, hey, I'll build that for you. But if somebody comes into town and says, could you give me a house or provide me a house for $150,000, who's going to stand up and say, well, that... <laughs> There's some incentive here for me. No, there, we've got to find ways to make an economic model that works for that. And we do have it. We can do that sort of thing. But we've got some regulations in place that are hindering the ability to make money at that level. And so if we uh, free up some of the burdensome regulations and lack of financing that for a variety of reasons exists then we can create that market sector. Gotcha. Now, we are going to have to move into our break. When we come back, we can talk more on that front. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. We are back with more Action Line on KINY. Now, Wayne, I'm going to let you just hop right into it because you did want to say something right before we went to the break, and I had to end up cutting you off before you could say anything. So I'm going to let you just jump into what you wanted to say. All right, so this is Wayne following Frank. And... um, he, he mentioned the term that profit was good, and it is good, but only in one context, and that is rigorous, uh, aggressive competition. If you have profit in a monopoly or some kind of a regulated franchise, uh, th- then profit is not such a good word. So I think the people of Juno can rest assured that the housing, the housing industry is rigorously competitive. So I don't think the problem is that developers are making too much money. They're, they're competing with each other, and, and you know there's a lot of competition there. Now, that said, let's talk about what the city can do to help that market. And, and there is um, a, a, a density thing. The, the, the housing action plan, the expert told us that the solution is not going to be to try and build more housing simply, but rather housing that has to be dense, densely compacted onto the land because right now a lot, a building lot is selling for $130,000 and if you then add to that the site work, the 60 or 70,000, you're up to $200,000 before you even pour any concrete. That's where we get to $550,000 for the average house sale. 
and to to uh, get around that you have to put more units on the same plot of land and uh, currently right now it's it's not legal to build an apartment building more than three stories high and they're building them 20 30 stories high all over the world right now Seattle all over the place and why we can't do that we have to ask ourselves why we can't do that and I think some of that maybe stems from, you know, the fact that Juno tries to market a lot of its sort of image on the natural environment. And so the moment you put in that sort of larger high rise type structure, I think then that impedes on that visualization that then could impact tourism later on because then they're like, oh, this isn't what I envisioned. Why am I coming here to spend money when it doesn't look anything like what I, you know, wanted to come see? Or people then say, oh, it blocks out, you know, it ruins the visuals. And so some of this kind of seems like it's an optics perspective. Well, Jordan, let me just jump in. Frank here, uh, think about Whittier, Alaska, where the entire population of nominally 260 people lives in a high-rise apartment building. Condo building, excuse me. Oh, yes, the very... I've always found that building in Whittier a bit spooky, I won't lie. It's always been a bit weird. As someone who's gone down to the ferry terminal from being in Anchorage growing up plenty of times, like that building is a little, little strange. It's spooky, but it's pragmatic. It is pragmatic. It is pragmatic. Well, I want to touch on financing and what difficulty is going to be more and more. I remember when I bought my first house, the interest rates were up as high as 90, 19%. But the city made some kind of a farmer's home loan thing where it was 7%. And that kind of fueled the building in the Mendenhall Valley. And so when I first bought a house in 1981, I, you know, it was lower interest rate and it was more affordable. But to be able to uh, qualify for the loan was rather tough. I mean, I came off the North Slope for seven years running and had pockets full of money and they wouldn't give me a loan. My wife was a nurse at the hospital and they gave her a loan, not me. So it's kind of imbalanced, but things have changed now. So I'd like to see that, you know, maybe the city could focus its money towards helping finance people for their houses, loan program, you know what I mean? Gotcha. And then that would really be the question is, wouldn't it also then in theory be possible for someone in the private sector to kind of help with that loan style of programming? Or do you feel like that's something the city should do? Well, I don't know. They could probably turn it over to the private sector, which would be the way to go. Well, Jordan, um, uh, Wayne needs to address this, but uh, certainly that's what we tried to identify at the beginning of the program is financing is a critical element of the solution here. Okay, so, so let's talk about financing just briefly, but I want to hit another point that you raised, Jordan. Um, but financing is a science. There's an industry that engages in it, the lending institutions, all right? And, and if you start helping people, like give them their down payment stuff, I mean that you're 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 going outside their model. They're, they rank order uh, applicants by risk, and if you say here here's fifty thousand dollars to help you with your down payment, you're helping someone do something they probably maybe they shouldn't be doing. And 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 I think that the lending uh, industry would be reticent to just jump into that because they their model is based on a track record and analytics. Now that said, getting back to your earlier point of, about well, never mind, I lost my train of thought. We're back to you, Frank. Well, a good point, because we've got to look back at the 07 uh, debacle of uh, subprime loans, and that kind of brought the whole economy down there for a while when bad loans were made to people who couldn't make the payments. So that uh, we took a big hit on that, and so the financial institutions, I'm sure, are uh, feeling the pain a little bit still 
from that, and, and that's just the environment in which there, we live a now. Stigma. There's, a, there's a lingering stigma there, and it's 30 years old now, more than 30 years old. It goes back to the late 80s. 1984. Yeah, and, and, and so, but there's a, there's, a, there's a lingering stigma there with regard to manufactured homes and mobile homes and stuff as far as lending goes. And like Frank illustrated earlier, it's unfounded because the, the new uh, standards by HUD standards now have made it to where those homes are equivalent to a, to a, a stick-built home. Gotcha. And I think you hit a big, big point there where there is that stigmatization around, you know, mobile homes. I think it ties back into a good point of a conversation we were having before the show where it's, you know, I'm all in support of affordable housing. Just don't do it next to me or don't do it in my little area. You, you just refreshed my memory uh, that I lost. Now, uh, the multifamily housing is a magazine that did a, did a, uh, a poll. They went around and they looked at what the most commonly uttered uh, comment is in planning uh, commissions around North America. And it is, oh, I really love this project and I, and I support affordable housing, but this is just the wrong location. It shouldn't happen here. Th- that is the most uttered comment in planning commissions. Right. And in some ways, uh, that doesn't surprise me because oftentimes, you know, people, there's, uh, and I find that, and this stems a little bit from my international time, there is this presentation of, oh, yeah, fix that problem. Just don't do it near me because I don't want to have to, there's the cognitive dissonance aspect to it. Where it's like, yeah, we need to solve that problem, but I don't want to see the problem either. So just solve it and push it somewhere else. Like, and this is kind of ties into other problems. Like, obviously, homelessness always comes up as well. And then you see a similar thing where it's like, yeah, love the solution to the problem, but also do it away from me so I don't have to see it. And it kind of gives off the same energy to me. I'll, I want to retract one thing about financing. I know there's qualifications, and I didn't mean to give away money from the city for people to buy their own houses. I meant to help try to find some kind of person to finance. So, I mean, there are qualifications that you need to buy a house. I want to make that clear. Yeah, and financing is really just leveraging your ability to do work so that uh, you're saying, I will work, I will make money in the future, you give me some loan money, I'll pay it back, I'll give you some interest on it. So really what we're trying to do is leveraging our, sh- our future efforts to obtain capital now to find a place to, to work and live. And uh, so that, that's, that's a contract between you and a lender. And uh, uh, again, go back and hit my point, that's, that's the contract we need to hit on find people that are willing to, to loan and mechanisms by which they will do it and be profitable and, and make those loans and thus uh, be able to finance building options that can physically lower the cost like uh, manufactured homes is we're going back to that hit that point that that that's a way that we can cut down on the physical limitations and how cheap we can build quality homes. So this is, we're saying cheap and, and quality in the same sentence here, and they can coexist. Probably, uh, following Frank, this is Wayne, the, probably um, the most significant factor, you know, we're talking about various types of housing and financing it and, and, and things. And, you know, granted what Max said, he, he, he doesn't think there should be a free-for-all with financing, obviously, but, but, but maybe a nudge, some kind of influence or some kind of support from, from whoever it might be, the government or whatever, to loosen things up or, or whatever. But I think the biggest factor is density. That's the biggest factor, it, it is being able to put more units like the rest of the world. If you go to Europe, people live in high-density housing. If you go back east, it's all high-density housing. 
and people are, are okay with that. It's fine. Um, we have a little bit of a stuck situation here, and there's another factor here that people don't realize. Unlike Anchorage or Fairbanks or any other, most of these other Alaskan urban centers, you, you can't drive to a neighborhood bedroom community and live there and then work in Juneau. We're stuck in this one place, so isolation is an issue here. Gotcha. Well, it has been an interesting conversation, as always. You know, it's it's a it's a conversation that will require more time than we actually have for the show, but we are out of time. But I'd like to thank you all for coming in. Thank you, you bet. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. All righty. You've been listening to Action Line on KINY.